And I want to preach a message to you called spiritual distancing. Spiritual distancing. I am sick and tired of social distancing, so I'm going to use it to preach. And I realize that social distancing is a new term, but it isn't a new idea. Because in the church, if we're not careful, we can distance ourselves from God with a mask. Oh, I... We, like, I'm, I'm already, this 30 seconds in. It's 30 seconds in. If we're not careful, we can distance ourselves from Jesus with a mask. I've worshiped with a mask. I've prayed with a mask. What I mean mask, I mean, I don't, I don't draw near to God because I don't want God to see. I, I think he won't like that part. Or even when you mess up and you make a mistake, you're like, I'm telling no one about what I did because they're going to, and I'm definitely, God knows, but let me just go clean my life up so I can approach God. And the church has been practicing spiritual distancing for a long time. This is a time where we need to draw near to the Lord. We're drawing near, man. You definitely don't want to draw near to COVID. And you honestly don't want to draw near to racism. You got to draw near to God and keep racism and your combat, your, 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 your fight against it in the shadows of the light of Jesus and the glory of God. Because you're drawing near to Jesus and there's no greater time than now to draw near to God. And so we're going to read Exodus 24 verses 1 through 18. And um, Exodus 24, it goes down. They, they meet with God in a powerful way. But you got to do a little bit of background where Exodus chapter 20 is where God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. So he gives him those ten rules. Thou shall not, thou shall not, thou shall not. I always think so many times like that's what we learned. And if you went to I went to a Christian preschool and they Ten Commandments was posted everywhere. Like, you know what I mean? Like Ten Commandments were posted everywhere. Nothing about Jesus. I didn't learn of Jesus until they told me about him when I graduated from the Christian preschool. And I'm like, but y'all said the Ten Commandments didn't say nothing to me about the Holy Spirit. Anyway, Exodus 20 shows up. Exodus 21, more laws from God. Exodus 22, more laws from God. Exodus 23, more laws from God. So you have Exodus 20, Ten Commandments, Exodus 21, Exodus 22, Exodus 23, four separate chapters Hundreds of laws given in these chapters, hundreds of laws. And now we come to Exodus 24, where the heading simply says, Israel accepts the Lord's covenant. Wait a minute. Not the law, the covenant. The law was a promise. The rules were a promise. You know, you always used to say, I used to say this, it's not about religion, it's not about relationship. It's about relationship, I messed it up. Let me say it again. It's not about religion, it's about relationship. Well, religious just means discipline. It just means disciple. It just means consistency. 
So it is absolutely about religion if the religion is going to activate the promise of God in my life. Religion just means to do it over and over again. We got to stop saying this is not about religion. No, because all religion is, is consistency. But where there is religion without relationship is the problem. We both need religion and relationship. You need to have relationship with Jesus, then religiously pray. Religiously get in your word. Religiously. You get what I'm saying? You don't need just relationship because I really believe the church becomes weak when we have relationship but no religion even they tell you as a parent the first thing you need to give your kids although you love them so much and you have relationship kids don't thrive without structure and so this attack on religion is let's remove all the structure so we can just worship the Lord isn't that what we do it's all about love it's love just love people yes we got to love people, but we also have to religiously dedicate ourselves to the things of God so that we can remain in freedom, the people of God. Religion is just doing something God's not in and keep doing it. That's it. But if God's in it, do it religiously. Do it religiously. And so it, it accepts the Lord's covenant. And it says in verse one. After they accept the covenant, bunch of rules, hundreds of rules, says, then the Lord instructed Moses, come up here to me. Come on up, Moses, and bring along Aaron, Nadab, gosh, I love that name, Nadab, Abihu, love that name too, and 70 of Israel's elders. They, he's like, I ain't naming all these people. All of you must worship at a distance. Isn't that a scary verse? All of you, all 70-something of y'all, have to worship from a distance. Verse 2 says, only Moses is allowed to come near the Lord. The others must not come near, and none of the other people are allowed to climb up the mountain with him. Only Moses, only Moses. When I read only Moses, I thought, only Pastor Julian, only T.D. Jakes. I mean, I should have said him first. Only T.D. Jakes. <laughs> Let me just name some other pastors, too. Only Stephen Furtick. Right? Only Christine Kane. Then I'll throw myself in there. Only Julian. They, they, only them. It's just, whoa. They're so gifted. They're such, it's just amazing. Oh, Pastor Julian, you're so amazing. So are you. The only difference between me, God is not a respecter of persons. Yeah. The only difference between me and you is just maybe more trips up the mountain. That's it. And the mountain represents presence of God. That's all it was. So you don't need to look at me and be like, that guy is awesome. You need to look at me. And if you think God is moving in my life, you don't need to say Julian's amazing. Pastor Julian is awesome. Yes, maybe I get it. You're trying to honor. But what you really need to say is how many trips of the mountain, how many trips up the mountain in the presence of God has that man taken? This is so important. We read on in verse 3, it says, Then Moses went down to the people and repeated all the instructions and regulations that the Lord had given him. And all the people answered with one voice, We will do everything the Lord has commanded. That's been like almost my whole journey as a pastor in church. Go up the mountain, get a word from the Lord, come down the mountain. Hey, everybody, this is what the Lord said. We will do all of it. Go up the mountain, hear from the Lord, come down the next week. We will do all of it. Monday through Saturdays, just going up the mountain, come down the mountain, Sunday service. Now I got to do it three times. We will do all that the Lord said. What a great word. 
That's, it's not been church. There's just one person climbing up the mountain. Everybody else, what did the guy who went up the mountain in the presence of God hear from God? We'll do it. You hear from God, we'll do it. It says, then Moses carefully wrote down all the Lord's instructions. It's almost like he's writing a sermon. And early the next morning, Moses got up and built an altar at the foot of the mountain. He also set up 12 pillars, one for each of the tribes of Israel. Then, then he set up some of the young Israelite men to present burnt offerings and to sacrifice bulls as peace offerings to the Lord. I want you to catch this. Moses didn't just go up the mountain and then come down and preach and then build. He didn't grab some wood and build a building. Nothing wrong with buildings. He didn't gather a worship team. He didn't, he didn't sit everybody down in a big crowd. He built a place for them to offer a sacrifice to the Lord. So if you are actually on the mountain and you actually hear from God, the next thing you should be thinking about is where can I build a place, not that people would come to, but that people would sacrifice everything for Jesus. That's the kind of church that I believe the Lord wants us to build in the pandemic is, is, is a church that is built on an altar where everyone's coming to God and saying, Lord, I surrender, I give all to you. And then it gets pretty gory. Moses in verse eight, excuse me, verse six, drained half the blood from the animals into basins. The other half he splattered against the altar. This is a holy service. And like, we never want to be weird in church. That's probably why we don't see some of the signs and wonders Moses saw. His church service, he's just splattering blood. Somebody give me a bucket of blood. <laughs> And see how many y'all keep watching. I'm about to splatter blood on every cameraman up in here. Give me a bucket of blood right now. Give me a bucket of blood. You want some blood on you? You want some blood? I know. Church don't want the blood. That's messy. You gotta clean that up. It's messy. The blood's too messy. I don't, I don't want the blood. I need a plan, neat spreadsheet. So he splashed blood all, all, all on the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it aloud. He didn't read what he wrote until the blood hit the altar. So it wasn't like he wrote a sermon and spoke the sermon, and nobody had made any sacrifice. Right. No, I can't even tell you what God told me until the blood hits the altar and until you bring your sacrifice and your offering. I'm like, I can't have a church. I don't even want to go to a church like this. So it's, just, it's like, I don't, I don't want to go to a church like this, but this is what happened. And then he read it aloud. Again, they all responded. We will do everything the Lord has commanded. We will obey. First of all, hundreds of laws. And they're like, we got it. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. Do yourself a favor. Do you, please, 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 please. Do yourself a favor. Please, when you get some time this week, you're going to laugh so hard. Please read Exodus 20 and read Exodus 21. Read Exodus 22 and read Exodus 23. And the last thing that is going to come out of your mouth is, we got it. They're like, yeah, we'll do all of it. <laughs> 
We'll do everything the Lord has commanded us. We will obey. Then Moses took the blood from the basins and splattered it on the people. Said, look, this blood confirms the covenant the Lord has made with you in, in, in giving these instructions. You got to catch this. This is so important. Twice blood got splattered. Once on the altar, once on the people. Twice they said, we will do it. We'll do everything you told us to do. Once in the beginning and once that we just read. So two things happened. And it says, then Moses, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel climbed up the mountain. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I thought God just said in verse 2 that only Moses is allowed to come near the Lord. Only Moses is allowed to come near the Lord. But yet in verse 9, it says, but then Moses, Aaron, they all went. Oh, the blood gave them access that their agreement couldn't. So it's not that you do what God wants you to do. It's that the Jesus, this represents Jesus shedding his blood on the cross. So the reason why we can come near to God, the reason that we don't have to spiritual distance is not because we got it all right. It's because Jesus shed his blood. And the Bible says in Hebrews that the blood of Jesus hit the mercy seat in heaven. And now come on up. Why would we stay down here in despair? Why would we stay down here in fear? Why would we stay down here in depression? Why would we stay in oppression? You know how you get out of it? Come on up. The blood has hit the altar. Do you hear the words that are coming out of my mouth? This is the gospel. And I believe the enemy is attacking us because we don't have excess. And the gospel and Jesus was not just about excess. The excess came through Access. I should have called this sermon access granted. And, and we're trying to put in a passcode of our own obedience and our own things. And then, no, no, no. It's the blood. The blood hit the people. Can you imagine that service? They're just walking up the mountain, just soaked in blood. I'm just walking like I got blood. I don't know. <laughs> just soaked in blood. Soaked in blood. And I'm not trying to be graphic. But, man, verse 10 says, then there they saw the God of Israel and under his feet there seemed to be a surface of bright, brilliant blue lapis lazuli. I thought about them being soaked in blood in the blue lazuli. All the gang members was like, okay, it's all of us. I got it. Okay, we doing blue and red? Okay, cool, cool, cool. Missing the whole point. <laughs> and it says, and those, these nobles gazed upon God he did not destroy them. In fact, they ate a covenant meal, eating and drinking in his presence. What in the world? You know why this verse is so significant? This passage of scripture is so significant because it is the only time that we find in scripture where more than Moses, the first time, more than Moses went up to the mountain in the presence of God. But do you notice that Moses went up without the blood? Moses went up without the blood. Everyone else that went up besides Moses went up because of the blood that was shed at the altar. 
So here's the thing. If you see someone you deem to be Moses, you don't need to try to be like him or her to draw near to God. You need to be you washed in the blood of Jesus. Don't we see like super Christians and like, I wish I could like worship like that. Like they're just so obedient. They're just so, I used to happen to me all the time. John Gray um, has been to our church a bunch of times and preached and he would preach and I'm like, I I just need to stop. Or I'll see T.D. Jakes and he'll break something down. I'm like, I just need to stop. Or I need to do, people ask me all the time, what do you do to share God's word? Tell me, give me some tips. Oh, you don't need to be me. You don't need to be her. You don't need to be them. You know I can give you the shortcut. Blood of Jesus. It's like, that's it. Washed in the blood and washed in the perfect blood of Jesus so that you can come close because church, Moses got what he got from his proximity. Moses was who he was because he was drawing near to God. And this is what the sacrifice of Jesus does. Church, we have got to draw near to God. You know, proximity with Jesus is really important. I don't know if we know this, but Jesus did not die. Well, we tell people this all the time. You know, I went to a Christian preschool. Second time saying this. <laughs> but it's relevant. And I remember learning in the preschool that Jesus died for my sins. How many people heard that? Raise your hand. There's like 12 people in here. Jesus died for my sins. Can I give you a really important adjustment? Jesus did not die for your sins. Jesus died so you could come close to him, and it was your sins that were getting in the way. That's why he died. He He didn't just die for your sins. No, it says he became sin. So that we might become the righteousness of God. That's why when he died and they stabbed him in his side and the blood poured out of him, the veil was ripped in two. What was the veil? The veil was in the Old Testament. The thing, it it didn't mean that you could go in. It mean that God could come out and anyone can draw near to God. We have got to draw near to God because your proximity to God is how you're going to interpret your experience. I'm going to say this again. Your proximity to God is going as how you're going to interpret your experience. No one close to God says they had a bad day. No one. No one. The day wasn't bad because something went wrong. The day was bad because whatever went wrong brought you out of the presence of God. Go back in. The day has shifted. Nobody tells anybody that they hate them and they're in the presence of God. There's no hate in the presence of God. Matter of fact, nobody's super hot in the presence of God. To be honest, even if you're really attracted to somebody, see what they look like in God's presence. Because guess what? Someone you called hot in the club will be ugly as you don't know what in the presence. (laughs) Woo! I'm preaching! I'm going to straighten this cougar I'm preaching. So did you hear what I just said? Do they look the same in the presence? 
My friend, I'm telling you, my friend Nelson, Nelson is a, I'll never forget this. I remember the rest of my life. He's married to, to Amy Luna. Nelson is a legend. We were at El Pollo Loco. Matter of fact, if you, if you don't, like you don't feel like you're ready for the blood, jalapeno hot sauce from El Pollo Loco, <laughs> dab it on your forehead, you're going to get some anointing. Know that. Know that. Did he just compare hot sauce to the blood of Jesus? Yes. It's the only thing I've ever experienced that is remotely close. Just dab it on your forehead, you're going to get some anointing. I'm telling you, it's so good. We were at a Pollo Loco, and I think he wasn't even married at the time yet. He was trying to get married. And I said, how did you know Amy was your wife? And he goes, we were doing this big dance thing, um, which we haven't done in a while, but we're doing this big dance thing. And he goes, and she prayed for everybody. And I closed my eyes. And he said, and when I opened my eyes, and she said amen, when I opened them, she was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Oh, pre-presence, hey, Amy. In the presence, hey, Amy. <laughs> We say this all the time. I just want to feel wanted. I just want to feel wanted. Not by the wrong person, you don't. Right. You don't want to be wanted by somebody that's wanted. You better run that, you better run that criminal record. You want to be wanted by somebody wanted. You want to be in the presence. We got to draw near to God because it is our presence. It's his presence that will help us gain a proper perspective on what we're going through. Watch this. Mark 10, verse 32. This is disciples following Jesus. Now, they were now on the way up. Woo, I feel this so strong. Church, you are on the way up. I know it doesn't seem like it. I know it's COVID-19. I know there's racism. I know people are losing their job. I'm not trying to be insensitive, but I'm trying to prophesy over you, church. You are on your way up. Matter of fact, if you are a member of Oasis, if you ain't even a member, you can just spell Oasis. Matter of fact, you can't even spell Oasis. Just put in the chat, I'm on the way up. If you can't spell, you're going to have somebody put it in there for you. I'm on the way up. I'm on the way up. There is no devil in hell that's going to convince me that I'm not on my way up. Because you know why I'm on my way up? Because this year been like rock bottom. It's only up from here. <laughs> it's only up from here. It can't get no worse. If that's all the faith you got. If that's all the faith you got. While they were on their way up. I'm on my way up. I'm on my way up. I got a text. Somebody's sick. I'm on my way up. I, I don't know if they just laid off some people at work. I know, but I'm on my way up. I'm on my way up. And I want to give you this. This is so important. They were on their way up, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. You better not be up on your way up and Jesus behind you because you're on your way down. Because if he's chasing you going, not yet. I was... They're on their way up, and Jesus was behind them. And watch this. The disciples were filled with awe, and the people behind them were overwhelmed with fear. Man. Wait, what? Wasn't everybody on their way up? Some people knew it. Some people didn't. What was the determining factor? The proximity. I want to say that again. The disciples 
were filled with awe because they're right next to Jesus. But it says the people behind them were filled with fear. What you are filled with has to do with who you're close to. They're right next to Jesus, following like, this is going to be great. We on our way up. We on our way up. The people behind them are terrified. Both on their way up, only one knew they were. Proximity will change your perspective. We have got to come close to God. Can I give you five things that you're going to need to come close to God? Five things. This is so important. Number one, we come close to God to speak up. We come close to God to speak up. I have a passion for speaking up against systemic racism racism and, and social injustice. I have a passion for that. But I realized I was getting angry. And the stuff that I was saying was because I was mad, not because I was walking in revelation. I was mad. It was my opinion. It wasn't a revelation. I was like, I got to take a break. I got to draw near to God. First Timothy 1.5 says this. The purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love. And I said, that's not the purpose of my instruction. I haven't posted one thing that all believers would be filled with love. I post things so people know they're wrong. <laughs> so that the racist people can feel me. You feel me, racist person? You're going to feel this one. <laughs> Hits in. <laughs> and then I wait for all the affirmation from the other mad people. And then somebody wants to say something about it, then I do another post for the person that says something about it. And then I'm just sitting there waiting for all the mad people having a big old mad party. I'm mad. We ain't doing nothing. You need the Lord saying, wow, Julian has 20,000 followers. Well, we can really use this guy. He doesn't care about that. He needs me to speak so that all believers would be filled with love. And it says the purpose of my instruction. Watch this. I looked up the word instruction from the original language Greek. You know what it means? It means to speak close beside. Don't say nothing if you have it. It means before you say something, you draw near to God. And the literal word picture is you are shoulder to shoulder with Jesus talking about justice, saying what Jesus would want you to say. And if you are not near to God, then you should not speak out. You should draw near to God and say what he wants you to say. This is so important you understand this. Amos chapter 5, the prophet Amos is talking to a bunch of people through their idol worship are no longer close to God. And you know what he tells them? Amos 5.13. So those who are smart keep their mouth shut, for it is an evil time. If you're next to me, shout. If you're not next to me, shh. There's a shush coming from heaven. You ever been shushed by your grandma? Jesus is shushing you. He shushed you in the spirit because your anger and your frustration has you over there yelling at who you're mad at and God says, come near to me. Speak as, as, as one who is close beside. Then you can talk. Amos 5 said, you worshiping idols, you got things to you more important than God. Shut. I say in the King James, shutteth upeth. <laughs> Thou shutteth upeth thy trappeth. <laughs> you going to mess something up. Yeah. 
You mess up, you all we, you, you all know that if your mom or your grandma, or whoever your relation, you all know you got somebody that if they're in the car, you wouldn't play that music. Do, just do everything you do like you're shoulder to shoulder with Jesus. Say everything you want to say. If not, then the Holy Spirit says, shh. It's wisdom to be quiet if you're spiritually distancing. It's important, important. We got to come close to God to speak up. We got to come close to God to speak up. We also have to come close to God through his word. I sent this note to the team in all caps. I want it on the screen in all caps. This is the worst time to put down your Bible. You know how I many people I talk to? What are you reading? I'm reading white people and black people, a conundrum. I'm like, what? Like, what? Where'd you get that book? Like, where'd you get that book? Was that self? You reading self-published racism books? And you ain't been in your Bible for four weeks? What are you doing? God say you got to get in your word. You got to get in your word. I'm not, I'm not trying to make fun of you. But dude, you're reading every book on racism. And yes, we should educate ourselves. But please don't read white people, black people, a conundrum. And you ain't been in Philippians where it says consider it pure joy. Do you get what I'm saying, church? This is the worst time to put down your Bible. Yes. Yes, A.R. Bernard has been a, a new mentor of mine. And I said, what book should I be reading? I was shocked at his answer. He said, none. Not yet. You got to get a 30,000 foot spiritual kingdom perspective about what's going on before you zoom in on somebody's opinion about what's happening. Get in your word. Get in prayer. Talk to people who have come before you. Get, get some wisdom. And then approach it. This is the worst time to put down your Bible. And I'm not saying don't read that stuff, but I'm saying if you haven't read your Bible in a month, put down the law of color. Put it down. Get in your word. Get in your word. Get in your word. And then pick it back up. And guess what the Jesus is going to do? He's going to use that information to add to your relationship with God and your ability to combat racism, not take it away. If we're going to do this, we got to be anointed. we got to be filled with the Spirit. And we have to have the Word of God in our life. Psalm 119 says this. Don't we all need a plan and a path and a way to get? Psalm 119 says, 105, your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. we got to come close to God through His Word. we also got to come close to God through a broken heart. And that's a tough one. A broken heart is no joke. Racism breaks my heart. This season is breaking my heart. But God's saying a broken heart is a perfect, perfect condition to draw near to him. Psalm 34, verse 17 through 19. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near the brokenhearted. He, he comes close. Even, even before we fix it. I have a bad habit of trying to fix things that people talk to me about that are brokenhearted. I'm like, I got a plan. God's like, nah, just, maybe just come close. Even more now, you can't even hug anybody. So now I'm really like six feet away telling them what to do. Because <laughs> I can't even console anybody. God is near the brokenhearted. And here's another one. We come, and I didn't send this note, but it's okay. We come near to God through fatigue. Jesus says in Matthew something. 
Matthew 11, 28. Come to me, all who are weary. Let me give you a qualification. Just be tired. You can be exhausted. You can draw near to God. Lord, give me strength. God's saying, come here. Come close. Come to me, all who are weary. And I will give you rest. We come close to God in prayer. Oh, this is a good one. We got to pray. We got to pray. We got to pray. We got to pray. We have got to go into the presence of God and pray. And the Bible has two different words for prayer, petition and prayer. Petition is when you ask God for something, and you should. But if all your time with God is saying, God, will you do this? God, will you do that? God, send your glory, send the rain, send the provision. You're just petitioning. The word prayer in the Greek means to exchange wishes. When you are praying, you are going into God's presence one way, one desire, coming out a different way, different desire. So how you know you have a healthy prayer life is not that you pray five hours, is that five things changed about you when you got done praying. And if you pray for five hours, that's plenty of time for hundreds of things to change about what you thought, who you are, what you think about other people, and for God to reveal himself to you. And the last, and this is a big one, because the season we're in, we, we come to God in praise. Psalm 22, verse 3 says, yet you are holy enthroned on the praises of Israel. Um, I'm going to invite the team to come up. And um, you're enthroned on the praises of Israel. Enthroned on the praises of Israel. And um, that word enthroned means to give Jesus a place to sit, to give Jesus a place, to give Jesus a place. Your praise prepares a place for Jesus to come near and sit. You know, whenever someone comes over our house and they sit, typically that means they're going to be there a while. Oh, we, during this time, we were filming at home and people would come and pick up the, uh, the, the data, the footage, and they wouldn't sit down because they weren't staying. When we praise God, especially when it's hard, I feel like God sits down even longer. Because it says it's, it's enthroned on the praises of Israel. And so many times, one of the biggest weapons that the enemy has is to withdraw us from a posture of praise. Because you ever had that, that prank where, you know, like someone goes to sit down and the chair pulls out and they fall on the ground like junior high. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> I feel like if we're not careful, like Jesus, come, he's drawing near to us and he goes to sit down. And we're like, oh, this, this season, I'm just over it. I'm just over it. And I know you're over it. But please don't have a problem and you don't have a praise. A crippled believer is a believer with a problem, but not a praise. So the enemy says, you don't, you got problems. You don't got anything to praise God for. 
praise report. Think about it. Forget all the things God did in 2019 because it's 2020 and I haven't seen him do much this year. And someone goes, oh yeah. And like Jesus goes, yeah, I know. Praise helps us draw near to God. And so I want you to take 30 seconds and put something in the chat that you can praise God for. 